Are you constantly on the go? The newly updated Jesus Calling mobile app makes it easy to feel God's presence wherever you are. Read devotions and scriptures, purchase products, take notes, and so much more. The app is available for purchase on both Apple and Android. Download it today. We want to be in control, we want to be the masters of our own lives. But there is so much freedom on the other side when you do release those things to the Lord and you trust Him with it. I think a lot of it is understanding, again, that bigger purpose in life. Am I here for me? Am I here for the Lord? Am I here for others? You know, I think when you change your lens from being so much about me, 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 and all about, okay, how can I show the world who you are? I think something changes and we're able to handle those moments in a much healthier and better way. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. In the very beginning of the Bible, God stresses the concept that we were created for community. The Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. People were designed to better one another, to look out for one another, and to be a support system in good times and bad. This week's guests are both the sons of pastors, an experience which guided them early on to care deeply about other people and fostering community. Professional soccer player Walker Zimmerman seeks to be authentically relatable and present in his interactions with teammates, fans, the kids he's mentoring, and in his family. Pastor David Kim's story of loneliness in his early years shaped his desire to help people find connectedness. He walks us through a five-step system to help us open up to the idea of true connection, even when it feels uncomfortable. Let's start with Walker's story. I'm Walker Zimmerman. I'm a defender for Nashville SC and the U.S. Men's National Team. So I grew up in Lawrenceville, Georgia. My dad was a pastor, and so I was a PK, pastor's kid. I had two older brothers, but we were in the suburbs outside of Atlanta. Being a pastor's kid, you definitely have a lot of expectation that's put on you from the outside, from your peers, from you know your schoolmates, classmates. And so Sundays and weekends look different for us than maybe some other families. You know, we'd be kind of front pew at the church and in there early, you know, playing games on my dad's computer at like seven o'clock before the first service, you know, just kind of going there with him and then staying late while he's talking to everyone in the congregation. And, you know, we were making paper airplanes out of the church bulletins and trying to fly them across the sanctuary, playing hide and seek in the church. You know, like we definitely spent a lot of time there. They had an amazing kids program. Uh, put on some really cool plays and, and musicals, that sort of thing. So it was definitely a big part of, of our life growing up. I think, you know, for me, I think one of my biggest passions has always been making other people feel welcome or trying to bring in different groups of people who might not normally all hang out together and bringing them together for the same purpose or cause. So even in high school, I remember like, I know I had a game night at, over at our house one time. My parents were great about, you know, letting us have whoever over. And I remember looking on the room one game night and it's like, Man, you have some like the big classic high school jocks here, people in the band, you know, super academic people, people that would never really meet or hang out on a normal, you know, high school day. And they were all like in our basement playing games together. And it's just like, it's pretty unique to be able to try and make connections like that. And, and people develop some cool friendships from that. Growing up, I just loved sports. I loved competing at anything, any type of game. So not only were my two brothers older than me, but everyone else on the street. So we had a really athletic street, a lot of 
guys and girls who went on to play collegiate sports and they were all older than me. And so I definitely felt like I had something to prove, chip on my shoulder. They would always be like, oh, that was so lucky. And I'd get so mad that they were calling it luck. I'm like, it's skill, like what are you talking about? Just the classic like younger child syndrome. Um, but it definitely paid massive dividends for me and my mentality. And obviously, you know, when you're pushing against people that are better than you all the time, it'll help you athletically as well. Honestly, my brothers were really amazing role models for me. You know, I, I got to grow up going to all of their sporting games and they were really good players as well, basketball and baseball and soccer. And so getting to watch them was one of my favorite things to do on the weekend, just because I feel like they would go dominate and be like, oh, well you scored three goals, now I gotta go try and score four, you know? They definitely set the bar pretty high. And so that made it pretty easy choice for me. I wanted to be a professional athlete. Started playing soccer when I was four years old. It was the earliest we could get out there on the field, get permission. What was unique about my journey was I played there the same club from four all the way through high school, through 18. And it's pretty rare nowadays because you have people always trying to change teams, go to the best team. And I was really fortunate that the club team I was on was, you know, at times ranked number one in the country. Uh, we won a lot of really big tournaments, went to nationals multiple times. And then I went to Furman University for two years and got drafted after my sophomore season to Dallas. Was in Dallas for five seasons, got traded to LA, LAFC, played two seasons there. And now I'm in year four in Nashville, which is, is crazy. You know, I think there's something that is bigger than all of that by a mile. And that's, you know, why are we here? What's our purpose? And so for me, like when I think about soccer and I think about, you know, having a bad game, I'm like, well, my identity isn't wrapped up in one game or being a soccer player. You know, there's something that I'm playing for that's way bigger. I want to honor the Lord with what he's blessed me with on the field. And so I think that whole concept just kind of put things into a, a good perspective for me. I think as an athlete, um, there's a lot of highs and lows. Lows are often in the form of injury and setbacks. And at the time, you know, you don't understand why. So a lot of times I'll have an injury and I'll be super frustrated. And for example, I had a lot of hamstring trouble early on in my career, both sides, and kept me out most of my rookie year. I feel like I was only available for a handful of games. But then, you know, I look at the flip side of that and it's like I learned so much about my body, about nutrition, that hopefully the longevity of my career is affected by those setbacks early on. So those are examples of you know, taking things that at the time seem um, disappointing or not fair and kind of flipping the script and say, oh, I'm growing from this. I'm enduring this process, but it's making me a better person, better coach, better player, etc." To make it at that level, to be at a World Cup, there's been some significant amount of resilience that each player's had to go through in whatever form, whether it's injury, whether it's mental, physical, but I think that's what makes it special, is having all those things happen and you still get to where you want it to be. Yeah, the World Cup was amazing, you know, just from the standpoint of the camaraderie of the group, the appreciation for hard work, and really the appreciation of all the sacrifices from every single player's friends, families, like whatever their inner circle was, there's so much that goes on to get a player to that point. You're just appreciative of the journey and so thankful for you know my immediate family and all the work that and sacrifice that they made. I think that my faith played a large part because I didn't let myself get too highs with the highs, too lows with the lows. It's like there is a, a rock, there is a foundation there, and it's tied with 
my identity as being, you know, a believer and having that relationship, that connection, that support system, that ability to go to the Lord and in times of high stress and be like, man, I'm casting all these anxieties on you because I know you care for me, like bottom line. And it's like, okay, wow, that's a burden lifted off my chest. Now I'm gonna go honor you on the field and play my heart out. And I don't care what happens, I'm gonna give my best. And I can live with that every single time. I think, you know, being the youngest, I obviously had great role models to look up to and my parents and my brothers in terms of, of my faith. And I would say it became my own closer to high school, probably eighth or ninth grade, where it becomes real life. You know, like you either practice what you preach or practice what you believe in or you don't. And you start to be put in situations where you have to kind of, whether it's stick up for what you believe in or choose to not do something you don't think is appropriate. Like you're just kind of caught in that crossroads and you have to be like, okay, well, why do I believe this? And I think that was for me, you know, going to high school, like, okay, no, this is exactly who I am. This is what I believe. I'm confident and comfortable in those beliefs. I have one buddy, his name's Will Boney. So we, we hit it off right away. Just a younger kid, super into sports, you know, going to play college soccer and just the the vulnerability of conversation ways that I felt like I maybe struggled in high school looking back I you know he always tells me now he's like man I can't believe like it's so cool that you would just swing by and pick me up and go to Sonic and grab like a milkshake and I was like just a ninth grader and you're playing professional soccer just scored on the weekend and you know got your first national team call up and yet you're just coming over to go play golf or grab a milkshake or something and I think that for him, it's just showing like, it doesn't matter what we do. It's like, who are his people that matters most at the end of the day. And I think that's what his biggest takeaway was, was it doesn't matter how much success he continues to have. He'll still return my calls. He'll still return my texts. He'll be there for me when I break up with my girlfriend. Like, you know, I'm there for him. And I think that goes a long way in those kinds of relationships. Right now we are going through a team Bible study with whoever wants to be involved with Nashville. And so it's waking up at around 7.15, 7.20 and going through, we're going through the book of John, and so just kind of doing, answering some questions, doing some reflections on some scripture, and it's just been a great time, honestly, for me the past couple of weeks of starting my day like that, because I feel like in the past, it just, it gets away from me, and if I don't just, you know, start off my day in the morning, then it's more difficult later on as things kind of pile up, and I think Jesus Calling does such a good job of simplifying bigger topics, bigger issues, making them easy to understand, and then providing you with just like a peaceful truth about who God is. Sometimes it can be topical and can help you with something that you're struggling with, but it's just a peaceful way to connect with the Lord early in the morning or late at night, whenever you choose to do it, and sets that framework throughout the whole day of knowing that you're not going to this day alone. You know, you're, you're going in there with a relationship with Jesus and it's all gonna be okay. And I think it does a really good job of setting that tone for people. I think one of the biggest things I got from leading a small group and doing some teaching for high schoolers and middle schoolers as just an opportunity to relate to them, try and ask them things that would be thought provoking that, you know, how can I be there for you as a resource, fully trustworthy, and we can just be as open as you want to be and, and try and have that relationship. And it was really rewarding. You know, I was with a group of guys from seventh grade all the way through their senior year of high school because I was there for five years. So just watching them grow up, kind of go from boys to men, was really special and I think played a big role in, in my growth as well, just being in that kind of mentorship role. Walker closes his time with us by reading a prayer from the Jesus Listens Prayer Devotional from Sarah Young. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus Listens, September 1st. Glorious Savior, as I walk with you through this day, help me to keep trusting you to provide the strength I need moment by moment. I don't want to waste my precious energy wondering whether I have enough stamina for today's journey. Instead, I can rest in the knowledge that your spirit within me is more than sufficient to handle whatever comes my way. Lord, you provide everything I need. In quietness, spending time alone with you, and confident trust, relying on your adequacy, is my strength. In your powerful name, Jesus, amen. To learn more about Walker and follow his career, head to walkerzimmerman.com and follow him on social media. Stay tuned to David Kim's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guest is David Kim, a discipleship and formation pastor at Westgate Church in Silicon Valley. David opens up about his experiences with loneliness as a Korean-American immigrant and how a moment of compassion from a teacher when he was just a boy inspired his research into the concept of belonging and cultivating true community in our disconnected world. Hi, my name is David Kim, and I'm the discipleship and formation pastor at Westgate Church here in Silicon Valley, California. I've been pastoring for 20 years now, and I deeply care about the intersection of spiritual formation, theology, mental health, and Christian community. I was born in South Korea, and I came to the States when I was 10 years old. My father's a pastor, and he wanted to really uh, study in America and get his doctorates. And so we moved and I was pretty excited to go to this land of opportunity. I've heard about it all my life, but I wasn't prepared as a 10-year-old boy, all the cha- changes that would happen as I moved to the States, the language, food, culture, neighborhood, my friends, my church community. I mean, everything changed right before my eyes and I didn't know how to navigate them all. I felt so lost, confused, and alone. And I began to slowly experience this deep pain of loneliness. 
And so the way I coped my loneliness, I didn't know at that time, was I started to get involved in playing a lot of video games, eating a lot of food, watching a lot of pornography, and all these other things to uh, soothe my pain of loneliness. And looking back, I think what I was trying to do was to just distract myself from experiencing all the pain of what it means to be alone in America and navigating all the different ways in which I had to face my new world. So one of the first things that really shaped and helped me with my journey of belonging is that I had a teacher, her name was Miss Stratuli. She came into the classroom and she realized that I had no idea what was happening. It was the first day of class and I couldn't understand anything that she was saying. And I remember her giving us this incredible exercise on the second day. She handed out this white pieces of paper and she asked everyone to draw an item or two in the classroom. And she had two blank lines. And one of the first lines, she asked them to write them in English. And she asked me to write that item in Korean. Afterwards, she walked around and she pasted all throughout the classroom these drawings that we've just spent few hours doing. And um, she left it throughout the classroom for the entire school year so that I was able to identify and say what those items were in English. And at that moment, I really felt seen, known, and cared for. And this is what we really want, for someone to come alongside and say, I see you, you're not alone, and we can do this together. And that really shaped me in my journey of belonging. And so when I'm talking to people, instead of getting easily distracted and being self-focused, really, and self-centered about what I need to get through throughout the day, I try to see what they're sensing, what they're feeling, what might be something that they may need. And I try to lean in. And as I do, I believe that they are met with incredible sense of belonging and care. In my own journey of belonging, I experienced so much of loneliness as an immigrant, but I realized that as I've been pastoring for now 20 years, that this is not just my own immigrant journey, but this is a journey for many of us. We're realizing that we're more lonely than we've ever been. And for some of you, you may have moved to a new location, you have a new job, or you just joined a new church community, or you lost a friend. Or you've been part of this community for a long time, but you've been busy or not that really involved and you feel like you're still alone and no one really knows you for who you are. And in this culture where we're so busy and hyper mobile and we can tend to be easily isolated, many of us long to belong, but we just don't know how. What I've begun to realize that even in Christian community, we may be gathering on a Sunday or attending small group and checking out events here and there. I mean, God made us in community for community. And while we may be hanging out together or attending church together, but I realized that it takes way more than just being around people. We can actually be around a lot of people and still feel alone. 
And so these five practices, what I call first priority, chemistry, vulnerability, empathy, and accountability, these five practices are practiced in such a way in order so that we can develop intentional and healthy relationships so that we can forge the communities that we've been all longing for, where we are truly seen, known, and loved. So the first practice is priority. Uh, We are living in a culture where we don't really value relationships as much, and we can actually live throughout the entire day not seeing anyone. We have access to our phones. We can order food online. We can talk and chat with others. And we can live out throughout the week without meeting anyone. And we begin to believe the lie that we can actually live our lives alone. And so priority is a reminder to intentionally prioritize relationships that God has given in our lives and for us to intentionally reach out and build friendships. And priority is the first practice in which we build our community Uh, And once we do, we move on to chemistry. And chemistry is really important. And many of you listening, you may say, hey, I don't know if chemistry is Christian. Doesn't the Bible talk about how God says we have to love everyone and care for the whole world? And yes, that is true. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he was able to love the world. And he had the 12 disciples, and he was able to care for the 12 disciples, but still lean into the three disciples, the inner three that we call them, that he was really close to. And he wasn't committing a sin of favoritism by leaning into the three that he had greater chemistry and connection with. In his most difficult times and key moments of his ministry, like the garden or the transfiguration, he was with the three. And so there is a way in which we can build and love and care for our entire community and still forge the few that God is bringing greater connection, whether that's through shared values or shared interest and things like that, we are able to lean in and build chemistry. Once we do, we get into building our community through vulnerability. And this one's really hard. Vulnerability is something that is really scary for many of us. And we have opened up before and people have taken advantage of us or we've been gossiped upon. And I understand that vulnerability can be difficult. But unless we open up and reveal the truest versions of ourselves, how can we be really seen for who we are. So once we prioritize our relationships and see some chemistry within our context, we are able to now open up and be honest with who we are, what we're struggling with, and we are met with deeper connection. I think about the challenges of vulnerability in our current climate. Uh, For me, I'm a Korean, American, Christian, male, pastor. I mean, think about that. Korean, as an Asian, there's a lot of shame uh, opening up about your family history and what that may do with your community. American, we have this belief that we can do this with our own strength. I don't need any help. And so vulnerability can be seen as a weakness. Uh, Christian, we don't want to open up and be judged for some of the things that we might be thinking or struggling with. 
male, there is a societal pressure to, for men to not share our emotions and feelings. And so we cover up. Pastor, it's hard for pastors to really be honest about what they may be going through because of how others may see how pastors are really truly living. And so just myself, I have five different challenges as I face vulnerability. But the invitation from God is to be honest and real. And as we do, we are able to truly open up and be seen for who we are. And as we become vulnerable, we get into empathy. We've all been in places where we've opened up and it was met with silence or lack of care. And empathy is saying, I see you, I feel you, and I'm going to lean, I'm going to cry, I'm going to celebrate with you and what you're going through. And that really forges uh, uh, the community that we've been vulnerable with. And then we get to the final piece in our Christian community of belonging, which is accountability. That we are called not just to build a community where we can just connect, but that we are calling one another to become all that Jesus is inviting us to be. A lot of us, we as Christians tend to lead one or the other. We are either more truth-focused or we are grace focus and the invitation is to hold both truth and grace both truth and love together and we don't do that very well as we lean into friendships but the invitation is to hold both of them together and lean in and as we do what others feel on the other side is that wow you deeply care about me and you care about some of the things that i'm working through and you care enough to lean in and with truth and love because both of them require time energy and resources and even sacrifice potential awkward conversations and moments but when we do we believe that real healthy and deep friendships could come out of that accountability I love the book, Jesus Calling, and the invitation to take our relationship with Jesus seriously and through that relationship that God has given us all that we need to really live this world. And I believe that as we connect with God every day, God increases our capacity to listen, care for others, because often if we are left to ourselves, we turn inward. For me, I'm often self-centered and self-focused. But if I spend time with Jesus, Jesus gives me the eyes to see and that I live this world not for myself, but for Jesus and this world. And I believe that as I connect with Jesus, he also reminds me that oftentimes that in my own loneliness and in my own struggle, that Jesus is saying that I have never left you I am always with you. I am always beside you. And I am that ultimate friend that you need in this world. And so that's the invitation for us to really connect deeply and draw our well from our friendship with God. This is a prayer from Sarah Young's prayer devotional, Jesus Listens, on April 19th. All-knowing God, you have searched me and known me. You understand my thoughts from afar, and you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. How thankful I am to be fully known by you. I've been learning that my intimate relationship with you is a powerful antidote 
to feelings of loneliness. Please remind me to voice my prayers to you whenever I'm feeling alone or afraid. In your royal name, Jesus. Amen. Be sure to check out David's new book, Made to Belong, Five Practices for Cultivating Community in a Disconnected World, at your favorite retailer. If you'd like to hear more stories about building community and relationships, check out our interview with Seth and Heather Thompson Day. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from beloved Christian author Karen Kingsbury and her son, Tyler Russell, who share how their prayers shape the stories they've written together. God has been so faithful. It's, it's just incredible. He is so sincerely faithful with his word that when it says that uh, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask, mm. and he will give generously to all without finding fault. And that is exactly what he has done, like step by step by step. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.